Hello everyone, welcome to the Pink and YouTube channel. Connor Southwell here, joined by former Norwich City and AFC Bournemouth striker Efan Akoku. Uh, Efan, thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, before we sort of get your thoughts on this weekend's fixtures, and obviously it's one that is um, is quite special for you, being two of your former clubs, I, I yeah. thought we'd catch up a little bit with with how you're doing. Obviously, you've you've been one of those fortunate enough to get in games behind closed doors, and we'll talk about sort of how you've found watching Norwich City at the end of last season specifically but first and foremost how have you found the experience of watching games without supporters <laughs> weird <laughs> one word <laughs> so uh, it took uh, quite a lot of getting used to uh, back in July the first first couple of games um didn't quite feel like a a, a training ground match but yeah had um yes people use that word surreal don't they I'm I'm never really sure what it means um I I don't think I'm 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 still quite sure. I just it just felt odd, you know, to be there and not experiencing what um, what we usually get to experience, you know, with the fans and everything. Um, but you know, it's, uh, I was professional enough, you know, to do the game. That's you know the job they're commentating, and uh, very quickly, actually, I think you know, even by the second game, I thought, well, okay, if this is the way you know things are, and they have to be for the time being, and then we go and we do our jobs, you know, which is what I did. I can't imagine what it's like for the players. Honestly, it was uh, yeah, you know, very difficult. I would imagine the first couple of games for them. Yeah, it must be difficult to sort of recreate that intensity, that sort of atmosphere, I guess, because some some players really feed off that, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. For the players, um, I think for the coaches, for us as broadcasters, yeah, it's um, difficult to you know to you know to g yourself up, you know, that much when you rely so much on the energy of the crowd and the and um, you know the uh, ferocity of the play in a way, if you like, you know, they sort of you know some players feed off that more than others. Some players respond to it well enough. Some players don't. Some people get intimidated by it, depending on, on their character, the size of the club, etc. Um, so I've always given, certainly, I think the last few games I did, um, certainly going into this season, I've given everybody a little bit of leeway um, because I don't think anybody's really accounted for some of the psychological pressure um, and emotional damage that's been done, you know, to everybody, you know, everybody throughout society. And uh, that's not just, you know, footballers, of course, you know, sportsmen and women up and down the country and in all their disciplines, um, you know, to be stop starting, chopping in and out, not sure whether you're coming back to train or not, not sure whether you're coming back to a job. In many cases, you know, for the smaller clubs, it's not affecting Norwich, of course, and, and lots of the bigger clubs, but ultimately down the line, that, you know, that may well do. People have got... Um, I've got things, you know, other than just kicking a ball about to think about, and there's a knock-on effect if things don't go well. So I've given everybody. I think, you know, the last game I did, I was down in in, in Southampton for the for the uh, for the uh, Tottenham game, and um, I said in commentary, I'm just going to give everybody a little bit of leeway. Expect expect some in different performances. Expect some people to be mentally off, and uh, and maybe a few surprises, uh, both individually and collectively as well. You know, that not everybody, you know, can just keep on grinding out the results and the performances. Um, so, yeah, um, I'll, I'll bear that in mind, I think, you know, for quite a few weeks. And hopefully it doesn't affect, you know, too many people in that way. Uh, but I think, you know, we could see quite a few weeks before, it will be quite a few weeks before we get into a real kind of rhythm where everybody feels if this is the kind of show that we expect. But, you know, ultimately it will only be when the fans return. Yeah, agreed. It uh, it still doesn't quite feel like we've started a new season. It almost feels like a continuation of the last one. I think in in many regards. Yeah. Um. Just just in terms of what you spoke about there about the leeway that that perhaps you've given teams. How much did you give to to Norwich at the end of last season? Because they received quite a lot of criticism, didn't they? I think for for some of their performances, sort of when football returned. How how yeah. sort of I, yeah, I guess how much how much leeway do you give them for those? Given what you've just said there. I must be honest, uh, not a lot. 
Um, everybody was in the same boat, considering where the Canaries were, what they had to do. I expected uh, a lot more fight. I didn't see enough of that. Um, didn't see enough quality either. And if you don't get either one of those, then you're in trouble. You know, they were where they were before lockdown. And it was an extremely tall order to pull themselves out. But, you know, I was, yeah, I was very disappointed that there wasn't, um, like I said, taking into account what, what I said earlier, you know, my opening gambit about, you know, players being mentally strained, that was, or that applied to everybody. Uh, but when you've got uh, more to fight for, you know, you're fighting for survival. Some desperation would have been, um, you know, not in, in terms of recklessness, but, you know, some real, you know, you show some, you know, what the Mexicans called, you know, cojones. And, um, you know, there wasn't enough of that, I'm afraid. And going down with the whimper is is, uh, is absolutely what they did, which was was really disappointing. I was I was up at Cairo Road a couple of times, you know, at the end of the season. And, yeah, I didn't see enough fights. It seemed as if, you know, the, the will had been drained out of everybody, which was, was quite disappointing to see, I must admit. Yeah, it felt like certainly towards the end, there was almost a, a willingness for it to end didn't there? rather mm-hmm. than, than perhaps the, the fight and the defensive pragmatism that we saw from um, well, Aston Villa, I guess, are, are a really good example yeah. of going, yeah. how, how they got themselves out of it. Because, um, yeah, because Connor, I was at the, I was at the, I was at the, um, I was at the Leicester game where Lewis scored the goal and won one nil. The atmosphere was unbelievable. I was working for Sky that day, and uh, it was a fantastic atmosphere, a full house or so. Uh, the players were played really well with a real energy, passion against a good Leicester side. Leicester were coming off the ball themselves, of course. You know, they imploded, if you like. They should have been finishing third by a stretch, let alone fifth or, or sixth, wherever they finished. Um, you know, so it wasn't Leicester in full form. But the way they performed that day, I thought, you know what, you know, there's a chance here. There's a good chance that the side can, you know, can just keep things going. Uh, but they need a few more performances like this. Alas, I wasn't to be. So the quality was there on occasion, but, you know, you need to match that with the heart and uh, and that wasn't shown. What would you would you put it down to then? I mean, you said the the quality was there. Do you think it was a, a mentality issue? And if so, where does that sort of stem from? Well, there was there were some quality performances. Ultimately, you need enough quality players to be able to do that consistently. If you've got five or six, a core of people who are pretty semi-established, who can drag you know some, some of the others along. You expect people to raise their level, who come from the championship or below. So, you, you know, some did that. It was a little bit patchy, which is what I expected anyway. You know, listen, I wasn't expecting much to finish sixth or seventh. Um, so, yes, you know, you, you need to keep everybody fit, of course. You get one or two injuries, a little bit of uh, indecision sometimes, unsure what your best 11 is. Um, I wouldn't say that it was mentality. No, I think that would be unfair on the players. You know, they obviously gave their best. Certainly from uh, early on in the season, I thought it had to be um, a, a little bit of acceptance that, playing the way they did to win the championship the season before wasn't going to get the job done uh, in terms of, yeah, it's nice to play this free-flowing attacking football to say you have a philosophy and, a, and uh, where you want to play the game. That's fine, but you're now playing against Liverpool. Now you're playing against Man City. You're playing against X, Y, Z. And no matter where you play that season, you play that level again and even more. Sometimes that's not good enough to, you know, to win at Wolves or to win at Sheffield United or to get a draw at West Ham. Um, and you, there's got to be a little bit of acceptance that there's got to be some variety and uh, ability to change. Uh, that's uh, that's that's to come from the head coach. If he accepts that, no matter what he says publicly, if he accepts privately on the training ground with the players, we will be doing things differently in order to counter what we will face week in, week out. If you can incorporate that into your game, the players can accept that early on. There's a chance that you'll win matches in different ways. They weren't able to do that. That's why they found themselves adrift at the end. 
Mm, just just a few more questions on, on last season. I don't know how much of Norwich you got to see at the start of the season, but compared to perhaps what you saw at the end of the season, did you see a real change uh, in, I guess, approach and, and I guess in kind of the way that, that they felt towards the Premier League? Because I think to a lot of people, certainly externally, I don't think that was necessarily the case amongst the fans, but certainly mm. sort of amongst some members of the national media, they sort of perceived it to be Norwich downing tools. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, you can just get so deflated um, as a group of players, individually as well, of course, but as a group of players, you sense that other people don't believe that um, I'm, I'm talking around the training ground, you know, player-wise, and their staff as well, you know, the coaching staff and beyond, don't believe as if it's, uh, it's you know, the situation is retrievable. So that general malaise sets in. You still, you still go and, you know, give your best that you can on the day, but that best is nowhere near as good as what, it would have been maybe match day five or six. And uh, so, yeah, there's that. Yeah, as I said, you, you're, you're drained of mental energy. And if the mental energy is not right, you can't sum up those physical reserves that are, are always in you. You can see little patches in games where, you know, you may get a lucky break. Someone bounces off someone's shin on the backside, goes in the goal. Everybody's lifted for five minutes. But too easily, you can get disheartened if those things don't go your way. And, um, you know, I see it as, you know, as an ex-player. I can see when, you know, players are, are sort of going off mentally. But to say that players are down tools, no, I can never say that about anybody. It's just, it's the, there's a collective dispiritedness, which is hard to, um, it's hard to describe, but I can just sense it. And I certainly sense that the last, you know, sort of handful of games, maybe even more watching the Canaries. Mm, it, it felt to me, certainly, I think, uh, as, as the season went on, it, it was certainly a case of, perhaps not having A, enough quality and, and maybe B, the options to to maybe change it because I think we saw a change in Daniel Farker from, again, that free-flowing sort of attacking football that we saw, the reason they beat Manchester City, etc. Yeah. to perhaps maybe trying to be a bit more pragmatic but not necessarily having the options in the squad to to do that. Is, is that something that, that you'd agree with? Well, that's the bottom line. It's all about the players, you know, the quality of players that you have. You know, nobody's, um, no one's a miracle worker. If you put Jurgen Klopp in charge of Norwich is, you know, it's a good chance that he won't be able to keep them either. He may do, may do a little bit better because he's more experienced and has managed, you know, to win stuff. So he may be able to galvanise the players and uh, his his record um, just makes you, as he said, you know, when he arrived at Anfield, you know, make believers, you know, of the fans. So, but he, he still needs very good players and he, he inherited quite a good squad. So he could probably drag more out of Norwich and I'm sure Pat Gola could drag more out of Norwich as well. So that's no that's no slight on, on Daniel Farker. These guys are obviously at a different level and have performed at a, a higher level. Um as a result, you know, and you know, you could you could put it the other way as well. If Daniel Farker was in charge of Liverpool, he may not win the league, but he'd still do pretty well, wouldn't he, with that group of players. <laughs> so um yeah, if if you've got quality players, you have a better chance. And then um your tactics, how you marshal the people, how you how you look after them individually, collectively, um, in terms of uh, man management, all those things help. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, coaches learn, players learn, and uh, hopefully, you know, the group of players and the coaching staff would have learned. And if they're in a position to get themselves back up for next season, and then, you know, I would expect them to be more seasoned, is the word, uh, more savvy about the way they go about their business. That's what you hope for. And I said, I did quite a few of the Norwich games early on. Um, I was at the Chelsea game. Uh a good performance, I remember. I was at the West Ham game at the Olympic Stadium. Very disappointed because of the way they played, the way they were bullied around the, the, the football field. I'm thinking, well, if you, if this is, 
well, I think I was about match day four or something. You know, I I looked at it, I think it was 2 0. I looked at the game and I thought the, the way I was analyzing the game afterwards, more so on the way back home, I'm thinking the way they lost wasn't very, um, didn't inspire me at all. But, well, you're not inspired when you lose, of course, but I thought the manner of the defeat, the way they were they were rolled over, not that they rolled over, but West Ham were able to, especially physically, physically roll over. I knew that it was going to be a hard season. So if you don't have the type of player that can uh, match um, players physically, because when you do come into the Premier League, everybody's, everybody's generally a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, a little bit smarter, a little bit cuter, everything. So you have to raise your level in every single department. If you can't raise it in at least two or three departments um, by yourself or within a group, then you find it very difficult. Mm. Are, are you surprised? Maybe not, I, I guess, given the, the sort of comments about quality. And, and I think I would agree with that physicality, I think it is an area that sort of Stuart Webbo's has spoken about Daniel Farquhar as well since since they've been relegated and said maybe they did, just didn't weren't physical enough, didn't have the sort of characters and, and sort of profile of, of athlete that they needed in, in the Premier League. But yeah. are, are you surprised that they've changed their squad so much? I mean, we've seen 11 new faces come in. We've seen quite a few leave as well. Is mm. that a, a surprise that they've gone down and maybe as opposed to, to Watford and, again, Bournemouth, who, who will come on to, instead of deciding to change their sort of manager or their head coach, they've decided to sort of tweak their squad and stick with their head coach. Uh, no, that doesn't surprise me that he's still in charge. Um, I've not seen your full roster, actually. I must admit, I've not seen the two games that you've played so far against Huddersfield and um, against Preston. Obviously, seen the results, so it's a decent start. Um, the way that... The way that they won the league, you know, two years ago was impressive, very impressive indeed, especially on the road. You know, I saw quite a few of the um, away games, one or two, a few highlights, uh, of course. And if you can get back to playing that kind of football and marry it with one or two, uh, you know, players that can give you uh, more physicality, as we've we've spoken about, they still got to be, you know, technically good enough. You know, you can't, you know, you can't have just people. You know who can run and, and who can't play. You know, still it's a it's a sport played. You know, we are, we are bipedals, aren't we? But you know, we're very dexterous with our feet. So you need to be able to manipulate the ball. All those things are extremely important. That's what you're looking for, I'd imagine, uh, in a large with with footballers. And then, of course, you can work on the on the physical aspects uh, every single day, every single week, you know, to improve the play. So you know that balance is always very important. I'm sure that I'm sure that you know that. You know, the kind of players you want, and you know, proof is in a pudding, isn't it? So let's see what happens. Let's you know, sort of talk again after twelve matches and see where we are. You know, close to twenty. You know, and certainly by halfway, we'll be we'll be looking, or we'll be talking and thinking. Yeah, you know, it's a side I can challenge once again with third or with fifth or with ninth. One or two things need to change, uh, but certainly for the relegated teams, so much more important for them to get a good start. It just it erases the bad memories and bad feelings from last season, as you said. It almost feels like it's a continuation, doesn't it, from last season? So even more important in this in this calendar year to get a good start, and everybody, you know, despite the fact that they can't, you know, get 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 to Carrowood and watch and watch the games, they still feel as if, well, okay, let's forget what's happening in the rest of the world if we can, um, and let's look forward to hopefully getting back into the ground soon. Yeah, completely. I, th- I think what you said there is is why Norwich's win over Huddersfield on the opening day was so important because yeah, yeah. It, they, they had, what, 12 straight defeats in, in all competitions. It's important yeah. as sort of the PR and the messaging around yeah, the club as, as much absolutely. as anything else, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, they lost the League Cup tie you know, to Luton as well in the same division. So that was a disappointing start. And 
I'm never a fan of, you know, teams and, you know, clubs, uh, managers who tend to, especially now, you know, disregard the League Cup as if it's, um, it doesn't matter, you know, if, you know, the league form is, is a bread and butter. Yes, it is. But, you know, the players, especially where, as I said, we talked about, when you, when you can be low on confidence, every single game that comes along is a chance to, uh, to rectify things. I remember when I, when I was playing at Norwich, 93, 94, and I was injured, but we played a, um, Arsenal in the League Cup, um, drew the away game 2-2 and I was still injured for the replay, came back and Arsenal beat us in the replay. Um, I remember Ian Wright scoring, I think, the winner. And I always remember Mike afterwards almost sort of dismissing the League Cup because we were in we were in, in Europe at the time. So we all, we've still got the FA Cup and the UEFA, Europe, um, um, UEFA, UEFA Cup to look forward to, obviously want to do well in the league. And I remember being quite pissed off because I thought, you know, this is... You know, this is a chance, you know, to go quite far with quite a good group of players. So it can, it's been done before, um, but I've never liked it because so easily you can find yourselves out of everything, you know, just like yeah. that. You know, all the big teams, let alone a club of the stature of Norwich, which is down a level or two. So it's, um, yeah, when you've not been playing well, any anyone will do. Take it and move on. Yeah, absolutely. From what you saw last year, what for you are the key areas that Norwich need to address, the issues that they need to sort of patch up if they are to, to sort of return to the Premier League and, and make a better fist of it? A steady, reliable uh, companion for Beg Godfrey, for one. Happy with the goalkeeper, Tim Crew. I thought he was excellent for most of the campaign. Um, he was one of the few, even when things were going badly, he seemed to be still performing at a quite good level. So, yeah, if they can get a good partner for, for Ben, I'd be, be pleased with that. Um, obviously, Jamal Lewis has left, uh, and and um, it'd be nice if yeah he could find whether Alex Tetti will play majority of games or not this season. Find a good partner for him. You know the spine of the team. You know has to be good, and you know then of course you look for a striker. Um, Adamida maybe we'll get. Well, I would imagine we'll get a lot more chances this campaign. And Puki looks as if he'd be staying as well. So um, if Bendia stays as well, he's not gone, has he? In the last few minutes. No. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, um, then you know the you know, you know team is capable, no doubt about that. Um, we, we, you know the guys I know, you know the new faces. I'm not I'm not too uh, familiar with. So yeah, if we can get um, if we can get those guys to perform anywhere near the level that they did for you know for quite a few games last season, of course, season before, and there's a chance. Um, but yeah, you always need fresh blood and bring in money for Jamal Lewis as well with help as well. And let's see how um, they go about you know utilizing it before the window closes. You, you seem like the the perfect person to to ask about the the striking situation. Timmy Puki's obviously sort of opened his account now, which I think is a bit of a relief to everyone. But Ad, yeah. Adam Eder, what have you made of him? Because he's he's been quite impressive, sort of in in the first two games. He's come on as a, a sub, scored in one, and, and played quite a, a big role in the other. Um, he's he's still quite a young lad, capped for for the Republic of Ireland already. Yeah. He seems like someone with a a big future ahead of him. Yeah, you know these young players when they come in and they show one or two things. I think, especially when a team is struggling, no matter what level they're playing, just give them their head a little bit, give them a chance. Last season, I thought there was a great opportunity after he scored a hat-trick against Preston in the FA Cup. I saw the highlights of that game, didn't see the whole game. Um, and then I just thought, you know what? The team is, is struggling to find goals. Puki, in particular, had gone off the ball by then. I just think, just throw this kid in. Please, just give him a chance. doesn't matter. Give him half an hour. Give him a game. He's deflated, you know, he's tired. He, he runs out of steam after 50 minutes, just playing, bring him off, playing, bring him off. Give him a chance. You never you never feel more full 
about yourself as a young kid when you come and you score a few goals, you feel 10 feet tall all of a sudden, the players respond to you. You've earned, you've earned the respect of your teammates straight away because that's what you're there for. It doesn't matter any area of the field. And it's so easy you know, to quantify what a striker does because you see the stats, you know, eight attempts on goal in two games, four goals, whatever. You know, people look at that. So give them a chance. I thought Daniel Farker missed an opportunity back in the last season uh, to do that. It, it may not have made any difference, you know, may have made none at all, but at least it would have... Uh, it would have brought another young player truly into the fold. Um, it would have given hope, of, of course, to any of the other young players who are sort of flirting with the squad that, you know, there's a chance here. I've only got to do, you know, I do, I'll take my opportunity. Um, and sometimes, you know, that opportunity can just be 10 minutes, a dead rubber game, a dead rubber game at the back end of the season. And that's your chance, you know, to make your mark. So he did that. I don't think he was utilised enough. And that was a shame. Uh, but, you know, he's he's got time on his side, a young kid. Uh, let's hope that uh, another year, in the championship as well, won't hurt him, and it certainly won't help a few of the other players. I don't think it would have hurt, you know, Jamal Lucy if he was stayed. I don't think it will damage, you know, Ben Godfrey too much either. So um, yeah, it's uh, Max Aaron's as well if he stays. You know, you know, we'll come back physically more mature, able, you know, to show that he's capable of playing in the Premier League. So so sometimes uh, a relegation is not is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Yeah, agreed. I think in, in terms of some of their some of their development, Ben Godfrey, you mentioned there, he, he seems to me like a, a perfect example of somebody who could benefit from another year of development in the championship. Because um, I, I don't think as as good as he was in patches last year, we perhaps didn't see maybe the, the consistency that you want. But that's that's sort of standard practice for for young players, isn't it? Yeah. Um, let's let's move on to to this weekend. Then it's obviously two of your your former clubs meeting. Um, before we talk about the fixture itself, how sort of highly or how highly do you hold these two clubs personally because they're they're two clubs that, that you you spent a well three years at Bournemouth and, and yeah. a, a year at Norwich as well so um how how highly do you, do you sort of regard them I guess personally yeah Bournemouth's a funny one actually you know because I was I was there for three years but I um you know I I turned pro later turned pro at 22 if I made my debut at 23 for Bournemouth but then you know you you know i I suppose physically, I wasn't sort of ready to be playing professional football just like that after not playing for so long. Um, so yeah, it was it was sort of it was a check of time. I did only play seventy one times a week for Bournemouth, um, so never really got into my running quickly enough, or as well as I knew that I would have done if I'd had that um, a good run and not been injured. Um, so yeah, it's I look about enjoyed it, of course, when I was fit and I was playing when I wasn't, you know, too much time out injured, which was really frustrating. So that slowed my development down, um, but sort of kicked things on pretty quickly once I got to Norwich. Um, yeah, so I'd, uh, obviously I'm much more known for my um, time at Norwich, even though it was a, a lot shorter, but it's it's where you're playing, isn't it? You know, the level. Um, I was in the Premier League, so everybody sees and knows and remembers what you did. Uh, so, so I suppose 10 goals at that level is like 30 or 40, you know, lower down. You know, <laughs> that's just the way it is. Yeah, so 18 months or so playing for the Canaries in yellow and green was uh, in a way much more memorable. But yeah, you know, I've, I've still got a lot of time for Bournemouth, always looked after the results. Still keep in touch with Steve Fletcher down there. Uh, did a few games there last season. Um, nice little club. Not many people there from when I was a player, of course. That's a long, long time ago. But yeah, you know, so pleased to see them when they got promoted. A few years ago, five, five or six years, five years in the top flight was a great return, great, absolutely fantastic return, and uh, been nice to see them. Nice to see them back up again, and you know, likewise, they've had a decent start. You know, uh, four points out of six is not bad, and a similar sort of uh, situation. You 
you know, tonight. Um, good start can put those uh, or put the negativity of the last sort of six, seven months, you know, firmly in the back of everyone's mind. So, um, yeah, it's um, a fixture that I've uh, I look forward to. Don't ask me about mm-hmm. score. <laughs> no, 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 I'll stray away yeah. from score predictions. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, but, but just, just, just on Bournemouth, how, how difficult do you think it's going to be for them, sort of adapting to life without Eddie Howe? I mean, they seem to have done, as you mentioned, there four points out of the first six. That's a perfect start yeah. for Jason Tindall, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, I didn't expect uh, much change there. I, I would be very, very surprised if Jason Tindall had not been offered the job um, because they like Bournemouth. I think they're a club who um, are closely run. Nice community down there, and they would have wanted a uh, minimal fuss. Anybody, any new person coming in, of course, would have would have been desperate. I wouldn't say more desperate to hold on to good players. I'm sure that Jason Tindall would have liked to have kept Josh King. Um, Ryan Fraser, of course, had sort of gone before the end of the season with not signing a new contract. So there was a little bit of, of upheaval uh, anyway. Um, but th- it's hard to know what the players exactly feel with regards to you know the coaching staff, uh, how they feel about a number two and number two now now becomes a number one. Never easy, of course, in that situation. They always feel, you know, the number two is uh, is always part of the success when things are going well, but they're also part of the failure as well, aren't they, when things are not going well. And um, as well as they've done, you know, they would have seen that as fairly, you know, being relegated. Uh, so, yeah, I wish them, I wish them, you know, the very, very best as well. They've not lost too many players, I don't think. If they can hold on to a couple of more of their key players or uh, their more promising players, then I think they have a great chance, you know, uh, Brooks, um, of course, if King stays, uh, one or two of the, the stalwarts who have done fantastically well for them. You know, if they can get fit again, they may be able to drag the last ounce ounce out of them. And and they've got a good chance. It's, it's as much about feeling good about yourself. You know, I think the first five or six games. And if you if you can get that for the players, you get a few wins, things go your way. The players take advantage. The other teams who see that you maybe got a little bit more resource than them because of where you've been the last few years. I wouldn't say that they get bullied, but they, if you, you know, can just flex your muscles a little bit thinking, okay, maybe there's something that we can just hold on to here. And maybe being a little bit brave as well in the transfer market the last few days, if they can do that, just to keep, you know, just to remind the players, every brand of football club, you know, even though you're not, you tell them, you know, we're still a Premier League club, you know, we can still do it. You know, last season we were at Anfield, last season we were at St. James's Park. Um, try and put that psychological distance between you and a, a lot of teams in a division before you know you played 20 games and you're hopefully you know you're streaking ahead so um it'll be the same for Norwich as well you know to not to let too many good players go because that's mm. a sign that's a sign I think that you've accepted that mm, let's just take whatever money we can and hope as opposed to expecting that we're going to have a great season yeah absolutely do you think it's it's worked better for Bournemouth that they have sold some of those players maybe that, that did want to go sort of before the season starts Callum Wilson um, uh, Nathan Ake as well um, Ramsdale yeah. as well uh, are these are these, is that a better situation to be in than perhaps the one Norwich find themselves in and I guess Bournemouth do to an extent with sort of the speculation increasing whilst the season's going on and the uncertainty that that can provide yeah I think doing the business early Ake I think was leaving anyway whether they were relegated or not I'm not sure whether it was a deal with somebody in his contract but it seemed you know to be common knowledge that he was leaving I wish him well you know good defender good player um, uh, so they've done their business early with that one um, of the cherries the same with Wilson went a, a, a few weeks ago didn't he Fraser of course he talks about was had already gone so I think to I think to settle everybody down say listen and, and maybe yeah you know to get those players out that 
can sometimes send a sign, even if you don't say anything to the other players, that the, the, the players will just realise, well, the club has made 50 million here. They don't need to sell me now. Because, you know, that's <laughs> reduced my chances. I always say, when you know that the club is willing to sell a few players, you, you want to be first out the door and not last, because the last can sort of get locked in. Or one of the last, you know, who's trying to jump out, trying to scramble through the window. So I'd be very surprised now if they sold Brooks um, or sold anybody who's uh, desirable. I'd be very, very surprised. Um, and yeah, so you would, I would expect down in Bournemouth that if there's going to be any changes, they're going to be additions, you know, imagine, because they've got a bit of money to spend. Uh, depends on, of course, what the owners think, whether Jason Sundle thinks they need anybody. You know, certainly if, if Josh King were to, to leave, they'd be in big trouble, I'd say. Uh, so they'll, they'll, they'll probably do their best to hold on to him. I mean, Norwich as well, you know, you've lost Jamal Lewis in a big money. Was it 20 million, all told, about 15 million mm -hmm. up front, or something like that? It's good money. Um, yeah, Liverpool were willing to pay a little bit less, weren't they? Um, so that was why that never went through. It, it, um, it can happen. Um, so, yeah, but holding on to Max Aarons, I think, will be will be quite important. Uh, I'm not sure if there have been any bids in in for Godfrey or not, whether he's agitating for a move. Um, but, yeah, as we talked about earlier, another season, another season playing championship football, I don't think will do those guys any harm at all. If they're anywhere near the level that they showed, I'd say about 15 or so games last season, then they'll be they'll be takers, you'd imagine, in January, if if the team is not in a shake-up for promotion. If they are, then, of course, you, you hold tight. You say, come on, guys, we've got four or five months, we could be back in the Premier League. But if you're struggling, we've got one or two players doing well. I wouldn't begrudge them, and I hope that the, the club wouldn't hold you know wouldn't hold them back and as to stand in their way. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a funny market at the moment, isn't it? As well, with yeah, with sort of yeah. some some prices really low. You see, sort of Matt Doherty going for to Tottenham for what twelve million pounds, and yeah. and you know Ben Chilwell going for fifty. So it kind of feels a, a bit a bit strange at the moment with clubs sort of trying to work out what finances they have to play with. Um, just on, I mean, I've seen today, I'm not sure he's gone through, the boy from Barcelona, Nelson Semedo, the fullback going to Wolves apparently for 30 million, which he's a decent player, but I think, you know, that match is crazy, absolutely crazy. So if, if they're going to pay 30 million pounds for him, I mean, well, it's, um, so yeah, it depends on, on how flush you are and just, you know, and, and how desperate you are. So you may get lucky and, uh, if um, if a massive offer appears, then you know I'm not sure what the Barcelona. Uh, well, that's not been agreed. You know, tell them that uh, he's um, agreed, agreed personal terms. But it looks like Barca are trying to play the game, aren't they? They've put an offer in for the right back at at Ajax as well, haven't they? So they're they're playing the field, aren't they? They're flirting with everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of it kind of feels a bit like the Jamal Lewis to Liverpool situation where you have that sort of very public played out very publicly, and then yeah. um, suddenly that as an agent that helps get his name out there, and then suddenly Absolutely. a couple of weeks later Newcastle are in, and, and that's the deal that gets done. So yeah. um, I wonder if it's, it's if it's that sort of situation again. And um, just just from watching him last year, are you surprised that he has been linked with sort of that caliber of club? I think he's got a lot of attributes, but clearly a lot of work to do as well. Yeah, I think he's not physically ready to play. You know, every week I think actually in the Premier League, you know, period, you know, for anybody, I think um, I watched him quite a few times, and um, I'm a bit old school in how I look at defenders, and that I tend to not ignore, but tend to put to one side what they do, you know, going forward so well. I'm I'm concerned about what they do going backwards, how they physically match up to, every, you know, to every situation. Because ultimately, that's what you should be in a team for. 
is is how you stop goals. I know I know more and more the modern day defender is asked to do more and more going forward. Not that it's a brand new thing. People always say about these overlapping attacking fullbacks, and so I always try to bring out a few names from you know from when I was a kid and mention you know well actually this guy wasn't bad going forward. You know the guy called Alan Kennedy played for Liverpool or. Um, Derek Statham, if you're old enough to play for West Brom, you know, Kenny Sanson, Viv Anderson, these guys won the European Cup, um, was one of the great attacking fullbacks. Loads of them. There's loads. Well, throughout the 80s, throughout the 90s, throughout the noughties. It's not a new thing, guys. You know, people talking about this guy's overlapping. So it's not a new thing. Alexander Arnold at Liverpool is fantastic, but it's all been done before. You know, players mm-hmm. coming forward and scoring goals in European Cup finals and etc. Um, but it's nice to see there's maybe more rounded players in a way, you know, more and more are doing it. But I'm always looking at you know, just how strong are you in a tackle? How well do you cover your left centre half or right centre half? What's your awareness like? Do you ball watch a lot? All all those kind of things. So I think all all that all that aspect of his defensive play has to improve a lot. I think for him to be playing for a bigger club. And um, but certainly in terms of being comfortable on the ball, is um, assist the way he gets forward and supports people in midfield and further forward. Yeah, he's he looks quite polished. But I think I don't think he's ready for playing for. For one of the bigger teams yet, um, as I said, so I think another year to sort of toughen him up won't won't do him any harm as well. And, uh, but I can understand if you've been courted and uh, by one of the biggest clubs in the world, whether that goes through or not. But there may be other offers or not. Um, but as I said, I, unless it's it's fantastic money, I'd be I'd be minded to keep him, you know, for the time being. Yeah, and I think that's something that Norwich have done well, isn't it, in terms of maybe getting really good fees for players and also being really firm in negotiations when they don't get the offer that they want. And I guess, yeah. given the, their model is sort of, well, it runs on the fact that they, they do need to sell those young players for, for probably big money to, to keep themselves mm-hmm. going. That's incredibly important, isn't it? Of course, I, that helps to run a football club. Um, it also helps to convince youngsters to join the football club in the first place. They see the pathway, don't they? into the first team, play some games, do really well, get a nice contract, do, do even better, get some recognition uh, nationally, internationally. Um, when the time is right, if it works out for me and, you know, the club feels as if I've done as best as I can or the fantastic offer, fantastic offer, they'll allow me to leave. That's that's just business, isn't it? Um, I would imagine that it's, it's like that for, it's like that for most clubs, even, you know, even some of the well-established big, big clubs, they reach a point where, the player is no longer as valuable as they were, and you know, if society, you know, economically now, you know, we can, you know, try and move them on. You know, they even leave Real Madrid in that kind of situation. Ronaldo left a couple of years ago. They got great money for him. I can't remember what it was for a thirty-two or thirty-three-year-old, but knowing that he's not quite at his best, he's still pretty good, though. <laughs> you know, but we can get some money back. So if it's if it's good enough for them, you know, for Liverpool who sold big players, Suarez went to Barcelona, seventy-five one million. Time to move on. Let's make the deal. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think Norwich have, have shown, haven't they, in the past, if, if the fee's right and it's on their terms, that they'll they'll absolutely do the deal. And, and you're right, that's such a key part in terms of showing those players sort of underneath and also players looking to come into the club that um, that that's what they do and that there is a pathway sort of through the first team and and that they don't hold players back, I guess. It's it's so important, I think, to, to attracting young players and, and running a, a fairly decent academy. Um, yeah, Efren, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm aware of... I've, yeah. I've taken up quite a bit of your time, so I'll, I'll finish off just by asking mm. about how you... I won't ask you for score predictions because you've really asked me not to, so I won't. But in terms of how you see the dynamic of this game going, two sort of freshly relegated clubs trying to, as, as you said, sort of set their stall out early, how, how do you see this one, this game going? Do you see it being quite a, a cagey affair? I wouldn't expect so. Uh, match day three of the season. 
both teams right now, uh, in terms of uh, where they were last season, um, should still have a little bit of of belief about them because they've dropped down or they've been forced to drop down at the level. Um, they, you know, they should still they should feel as if we are amongst the best teams. Let's put it that way. Um, and in order to remain amongst the best teams, you've got to play like one. Um, so this is an opportunity to, you know, to put a marker down against what you would expect to be one of your rivals. Let's see if they both last the course. I certainly hope they do, and they're both in shake up for you know automatic promotion or indeed at least the playoffs. So it's a good chance, you know. People are fresh physically as much as they can. It's been a difficult year, as we mentioned. You know, it's not you know early matches. I don't think the way that Bournemouth or, or Norwich play, we saw we've seen a. Cautious play, have we, from either blue side? I would say that Eddie, say that Eddie Howe's side on occasion a little bit more cautious, a little bit more season, a lot more season in the Premier League. But maybe Jason Tindall feels as if at uh, this stage of the season, which I, I would fully agree that they can be quite open and expansive the way, uh, the way they go about their business. You, in a smart way, you want to try and force things because you want to get everybody on side. I know that, there's, you, that there won't be any fans there, but, but people are still looking and watching, aren't they? And... And, and desperate to know uh, what goes on, so news filters through or gets out. So if if, uh, if the if the football is attractive as it has been at both clubs last couple of seasons, in fact for a long, long time, and then you know people start to believe very, very quickly. So, um, but it's never easy. It's never easy, and uh, I I just can't imagine how the players are are dealing with everything at the moment. Play behind you know closed doors. It would be it'd be nice to experience it in a way, but I'm glad I didn't. Uh, like I said. Um, I'm listening and, and watching and, and working on it with with a microphone nine times out of ten now, and um, you know that's an experience in itself. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I bet. Do, do you think this this fixture has kind of come at a good time for both clubs because the, it probably isn't the pressure of saying being 15 games in and, and league sort of positions beginning to take shape, and maybe what you said there can happen in terms of actually maybe they can afford to sort of go at each other a little bit more and try and impress and try and get points on the board, but equally to sort of focus on performances at this stage and the importance of them rather than perhaps results. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think at this stage, it's not quite as important as the as a result, but it's important to get your processes in place for the players to feel as if they're, or for you to feel as if the players are um, performing the way that you want to. Um, so mentally, you know, getting everybody to agree to, and I say agree, you know, you, you have your style of play, plays, formation, whatever. People know uh, know the road that you're going down. And um, so you can, of course, because it's early on in a game, uh, early on in a campaign, can sort of accept that, you know, it might take you know, five five or six games before the players can gel and get towards the system. So if we have a few um, below par performances, one or two defeats, we just have to accept that, you know, hoping that, as the as we progress further down the line by match day ten and we get to fifteen and twenty, we are grooved. And then if we you always know, say, you know, it's better that you you know, better that you finish well it doesn't mean that the uh, results or the, you know, performances are less important, you know, back in August or September than they are in March. They're not no, but you can it's very you know, coming with momentum late on, you know, can serve you well or serve you uh, serve you better if you're fresh. Or you're fresh mentally, you know, it can be hard to stop that train right at the end. It, it doesn't always work out. Brentford were fantastic, weren't they? The last 10 or so games, and they lost the last two games today or something in the league, you know, to, to, to not get an automatic promotion. But sometimes you can get derailed, can't you, by that big boulder on the tracks. But um, yeah, I, I think I think both sides, unless there's, you know, drastic um, 
you know the, the drastic reduction in numbers should be should be uh should be well equipped you know to be very very competitive you know this season yeah i would agree fn thank you very very much for, for joining me i really appreciate your time um thank, thank you all very much for, for watching if you're watching this on youtube make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel make sure you leave a like as well um and if you listen to this as a podcast make sure uh, you leave us a nice review and subscribe as well plenty more content um coming from uh, well of course have our podcast after bournemouth where, where we dissect the result and, and analyze norwich city's performance but full steam ahead now to dean court and hopefully three points thank you very much for watching stay safe and see you soon